0: Special thanks
2: to the Town of Vale for their support of the Vale Dance Festival and Conversations on Dance live podcast recordings. This episode was recorded live at the Manor Vale Lodge. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro.
0: And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. other half is. She is awaiting the arrival of her firstborn any day now. So Rebecca will be back next year for sure, but we do miss her. But I'm feeling lucky that for my first moment flying solo, I have um, someone I've known for nearly 20 years now, the incomparable Tony Award-winning choreographer Justin Peck. Thank you for joining us, Justin. Thanks for having me. So uh, last year, you uh, talked with me and Rebecca and Robbie Fairchild a little bit, but at that point, we were all really excited for the imminent premiere of West Side Story, which like everything else had been um, delayed because of COVID. So now we're on the other side of it. I mean, it couldn't have gone better in terms of like, you know, audience reception, critical reception, awards galore. Um, But I want to go back to the beginning and just hear a little bit about how you first became even involved with the project.
1: Yeah. um, So... I first heard about this like rumored project of this West Side Story uh, reimagination by Spielberg. Actually, when we were, when I was down working with Miami City Ballet and I remember, you know, when you have a memory and you remember where you were in the world. I remember being in Wynwood and we were actually shooting this dance film uh, for a ballet I was choreographing called Heatscape and Michael was actually dancing in that film. And, um, it was kind of like a, a grassroots film that we were trying to make to help promote that ballet is almost as like its own little movie trailer of sorts. And I heard about this, um, this project that was in the works, but I didn't think much of it. It was like something that just felt so far away from where I was and what I was doing, um, and I think that was in 2014 when we were shooting that. That yeah, it was like right, yeah. December, 2014. Mm-hmm. And I guess cut to like three years later, um, I get a a note from Tony Kushner, who's a screenwriter and the, the uh, great American playwright. And he sends me a quick message just saying like, Hey, uh, I want to talk to you about something. Can we grab a coffee? And so I sat down with Tony Kushner, and he was telling me how he's been working on this uh this reimagination with Spielberg for a little while now. And they're really interested in talking to me about it, and they want me to read the script. And so that was kind of like the first uh exposure to the project on the inside. And so they sent me the script. And at first I was skeptical about the project because the original is so, such a huge part of uh, our history with film and with dance and with dance on film. Mm -hmm. And uh, has been a huge source of inspiration for me and I didn't want to mess with it. (laughs) And so I, um, I, I, read the script with some skepticism. And what I found was that Tony wrote this, uh, this script that somehow um, it somehow honored what came before it it was sort of reverent of what came before, but it also found ways to reinvent and to dig deeper into certain characters and uh, character dynamics and story beats and Um, And even with a lot of the song and dance numbers, he was able to recontextualize several of them so that they actually communicated something different than what was communicated in the original. And so that's what really like excited me about the project. So after I read that, I was like, oh, there's actually room to be creative here. It's not just about like remounting uh, what was what had had existed before. Right. And, and so I was interested at that point. And so they followed up with, uh, uh, an offer to meet with Steven Spielberg and Tony Kushner, and then the, um, the lead producer, Christy McCasco. And so I met with them another, like very vivid memory of like meeting them in a kind of a hotel suite in New York city. Steven had just been Nominated for a bunch of awards for the post um i don't know if anyone has seen that film, but it's a great film as well and and has rhythm to it and and movement and great um uh, just just great storytelling and filmmaking um so they so they were in New York to kind of like prepare for um all that all the chaos of like that award season, mm-hmm. and I was able to like sit down with them and I remember. Going to their hotel room and I sat down and I was wearing this hat, this like baseball cap that had a bunch of uh um sharks on it. And I hadn't put two and two together, but I sat down and Steven said to me, He was like, I like your hat. <laughs> of course, like in retrospect, I realize this is the man who made Jaws. Um, but uh so that was like a great memory, and we just we just kinda like sat together and we talked for about an hour and a half. He had looked at a bunch of my work, um, for the stage. And, uh, I think at that point I was working on carousel on Broadway. So he was excited to see that, um, in a couple months from that point. And so we had a great meeting and, um, and then Tony called me about an hour after the meeting ended and he was like, we want you to come on board for, and to work on this. And, I said yes in the moment, but in the back of my head, I was like, I'm not really saying yes to this. I'm actually going to like take some time to like think this through because uh-huh. it sounds sort of like there's so, so many ghosts in this content and, and this uh, the show that that is West Side Story. And so I spent a few months just like thinking about it and talking to my family and to friends and colleagues who I'm close with and, Pretty much everyone was like, "You have to do it. You have to um, go for this." And if anything, it's a it's a chance to really learn from the experience and get to work with some incredible um, artists uh, um, on a film. So, mm-hmm. uh, so eventually, I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm fully yeah. on board for this." And and then we were off at that point. Right. Yeah.
0: I think it's interesting because. You know, you had danced West Side Story Sweet, You'd done Bernardo for years at that point. And, um, you know, as any dancer knows, it's, it's hard to get those ideas out of your body and your mind. And I think it's really cool that the Kushner script was what made you realize you could do that because there were reimaginings of those moments. It's not just America on a rooftop again or, you know, cool um, as it was in the original film. So I think that's cool that that really informed you and, like, let, gave you the confidence that you were going to be able to move past, like, the Robins that's in your body, you know, forever.
1: Yeah. I really credit kind of like Tony with that. And he, he, he led by example. And I just kind of like followed that um in terms of, and also like in terms of how he, he wrote the text so that it, you know, it had a lot of himself in it and a lot of, um, a, a pretty extensive amount of research he did, um, to write this. And, and yet at the same time there there's lines in that script that are right out of the film or mm-hmm. right out of the stage musical and that was also a moment where i was like oh yeah like we can pay homage to mm-hmm. what was there originally and 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 add in those quotes that audiences will be really satisfied to see right. so that was also part of the process and i think having danced it so frequently it was like very consistent thing that I danced during my career at New York city ballet. Like it was the first principal part I ever danced. And then I, I did it for probably like 10 years. And then, um, yeah. So it felt like I been studying this, uh, this musical for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And so in a way it's like, I didn't have to do so much Preparations. Like it's been a process over like 20 years to right. um, to understand it. So. Yeah.
0: I know for me, like as a viewer, I knew the moment that you had succeeded was when you finally do quote Robbins, because I realized I hadn't thought about his choreography once until that point, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, it's just, a, Which it, it was, it was the it? snaps. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, we're back. Yeah. Yeah. Of course yeah. that, but like you guys were taking us into such a different, like fully expanded, um world but uh, i want to talk a little bit about the process because obviously it's very different from you know you get a commission from new york city ballet and you know the parameters are a lot broader there you can you know sometimes there are directions but usually you have a fuller range of what you can do um but i'm wondering did carousel prepare you at all for that like you're working under someone you have to um serve the vision of that work you're a one like cog in the machine you know did that kind of help you in this transition to film or was it just still too different?
1: Um, Yeah, I think carousel was an essential uh, step along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the, the, uh, the thing I would say about that is working on a show like carousel and then West side story, um, the storytelling trumps everything. It's like the most important thing. Um, So, you can come up with a cool choreographic sequence or step, but if it doesn't speak to the storytelling, then it's, it's uh, pointless. And that is the, it's so challenging, I think, because it's hard enough to come up with like interesting movement, but then to also make sure that it's speaking to character mm. and moving the story along um, is just like even more of a, of a, um, uh, limiting limiting thing but it also once you once you're able to achieve that it can be like the most gratifying thing um but yeah and then i guess like working with a director i was lucky to work with jack o'brien on carousel and he was incredibly generous with me and kind of like he's a he's a very seasoned director um and he's done everything from shakespeare to uh, to developing and uh, directing the original Hairspray on Broadway, and um, he just kind of like took me under his wing and taught me so much about the process of making a Broadway show, and um, and I think like at the same time, the whole team and including him, they were very uh, respectful of what uh, what I do and what mm-hmm. i did and what i brought to the table and i think there was real collaboration in that sense and I, I felt that was similar with west side story and with the film as well um i think because dance is so built into the bones of it mm-hmm. like it's 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 a so much of the expression is danced, and so it had to be that way. And, and Steven Spielberg was also like incredibly generous with how he brought me into the process. And, um, we started working together, you know, a couple of years before even going into rehearsal or shooting this. And, um, and he just really made me feel like a partner on it, which, um, I appreciated and it made me want to like work harder for him and for the project. And, um, for the for uh, what we were what we were making and um, and so I'm I, I also one of the most amazing things about it was I was able to like s- just like sit ne- side by side with him for the whole making of it from rehearsals to you know to dreaming up the the imagery and the storytelling like in my office he he actually used to love to like walk from his apartment to my little office at Lincoln center and we would sit together and just spend a few hours a a few times a week, just talking through some of the sequences and some of the numbers. So, so that felt very collaborative. And then being in rehearsals together, that was very hands-on and interactive. And then being on set, it was, you know, we were just sitting side by side together for a very long shoot days. So like 10, 12 hour shoot days and, or even sometimes longer than that. And then um uh for seventy nine days. It was a very long shoot. Most films are half that length, if that, um, sometimes less. So so we spent a lot of time. We spent like the whole <coughs> summer, like June to the end of September shooting this film so so I learned a lot from from that
0: you are a very curious artist you're always trying your hand at new things I'm wondering if this time with Spielberg made you interested in filmmaking at all
1: yeah oh definitely yeah I think like by the end of the process shooting it I was already kind of like brainstorming about ideas for generating more content for film and especially dance on film um, because it's sort of, I feel like it's a special thing that I can bring um, to that medium and having now learned from not just working with Steven, but I've done now several projects. We did a film with Sofia Coppola, New York city ballet. Um, I worked with Damien Chazelle uh, on a a commercial um, uh, just Things like this that I feel like am able to to really um, take advantage of the unique role that a choreographer plays on a film set, where you're you're having to to be very close and interactive with the director, and so that's like a. a a glimpse into what it takes to make a film. And so, um, so yeah, in the back of my head, I'm just like making notes on like, okay, (laughs) this is what I, you know, it's similar to actually how I started choreographing, like Mm -hmm. being in the room as a dancer and getting to work with a lot of amazing choreographers who were coming in to New York city ballet and, and being present for the process, but also at the same time in the back, back of my head, like thinking like, okay, like this is how they do this. I like how they do this and I don't like how they do that. And I'm going to kind of like curate like how I want to uh, embark upon my own process as a choreographer. So I feel like I'm like in this like gestation period of trying to soak up as much as I can from a lot of these film directors. And and hopefully, you know, I, I I do have the ambition to make more work for film. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'm wondering if
0: you don't have maybe, like one specific story about Spielberg, um, you know, I was on set for just a couple of days and I just, I would see, I would watch him, um, you know, the way he could manage things. It was so incredible. Like, and he was always deferring to you or Patricia mm-hmm. to make sure that that component of the film was, uh, you know, present and, and being honored or that then, you know, Janusz, the cinematographer, you know, you know, he was very collaborative, but then he knew everyone's name on set. He w- it was kind of like this, he was just such a generous yeah. person. I'm wondering if, if like how that impacted your art and if there's maybe like a specific story you have with him.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. There's so many things. Um, God, one of the, one of the first things I noticed about him is no matter who was in the room or who was present, he, he made eye contact with everyone. So, and that it's like just that little gesture was something that made everyone feel included Mm -hmm. and like part of the, the interaction. And so, um, so that, that was like one of the, just like the first week working with him and going to like a dinner and being like, Oh wow. Everyone's like present. And he's kind of like setting the, uh, the table in that way. And, um, I, I remember a lot of people visiting set to see him, other actors. Mm. One time the governor of New Jersey showed up (laughs) like he, and somehow he, managed to make this incredible film and also entertain anyone who was like visiting him uh-huh. on set. And it's so hard cause you have to like multitask and make them feel welcome and, and host them and, and then, you know, have the eye and the precision to, um, to get the shots, uh, especially like on such a highly pressurized thing, like a film set where, you know, time is money. It's like, um, there's only, it's, even though it's a, it's such a large scale project, um, the resources are still limited. You know, it's not, it's not totally abundant. So, um, so I was really impressed by how he was able to kind of like balance all that. Mm -hmm. Um, what else? Oh, okay. He was, he's sort of like, relatively efficient as a filmmaker. So you hear about directors who will, will do like 50 or 60 takes Mm -hmm. of a single shot. Um, And he's not that way. He, he'll usually do like two to six takes of a shot. And so with choreography, that was like challenging because, (laughs) and thank God, God, we rehearsed so much, so it was like everyone was super prepared um, when we got on set to shoot. But there would be moments where, you know, it'd be like the first take, and then he'd throw off his head, headphones and be like, "Next shot!" and he'd run off, and I'd be like, "Oh no, 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 wait, 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 wait!" I, the dance wasn't exactly right. Like, uh-huh. can we do one more? Uh-huh. And he'd be like, "Oh yeah, sorry, I got, I got excited." Um, so that's like that was another like kind of like fun dynamic mindset, But there's so many stories. I'm wondering,
0: you know, it it was delayed because of COVID um, and then regardless the reception would have been probably pretty overwhelming. You know, the fact that critics were saying, you know, it it exceeded the original. um, You know, that's just something that is completely unheard of. You know, people aren't remaking Casablanca and Wizard of Oz with, you know, that sort of reception. So to hear that, like, what did that feel like to be a a part of a project that could um you know maybe to some actually surpass its original source material
1: yeah i mean that's like subjective i think (laughs) (laughs) that's like someone's opinion i mean i i think it's like it's it's cool to have done this version that feels like it can be reinterpreted and reimagined and and don't forget that it's romeo and juliet <laughs> like at its core it's a reimag it, the original itself is a reimagination of romeo and juliet right. um set in <clears throat> new york city at this specific time um you know one of the things i'm really proud of with this film is that um there was much much more authenticity with the casting uh, especially of the the sharks and, um, the Latin representation in the film. So, and that was, uh, that took a lot of work and a lot of energy and a lot of focus to make happen. You know, we did the audition process was the most extensive thing I've ever been a part of. We went to Puerto Rico twice. We went to Miami, we went to LA, we did a bunch of auditions in New York. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking to, uh, communities and engaging with them to, uh, to ensure that, kind of we're, we're on the right track with this. Um, and you know, hopefully this can be one version, uh, on the timeline of West side story and maybe the next film or stage production can be interpreted by an actual like Puerto Rican director. I think that would be like amazing. So, so, um, so So my hope is that maybe this like inches things along a little bit further to then continue the dialogue with what this content is and, and how it can be further interpreted by different kind of points of view. And, um, and then the other thing I'll just say is that I was very inspired as a young person seeing the original West side story and just kind of like seeing, having like examples of, um, men dancing and just thinking like, Oh, I can, I can do that. And it was cool. Like it looks, you know, I love the choreography in that original film. And we have this whole generation of, uh, actors, dancers, singers, performers who are in this film now. And, and I hope that they do the same thing with how they can inspire whole next generation of, dancers and especially, uh, you know, boys and men to um, to think about uh, a career in dance. Mm-hmm. So,
0: uh, I, I want to hear a little bit more about this audition process. I'm, I'm curious, you know, it sounds like obviously Stephen was very collaborative with you, but were, was, were there moments where, you know, the input is hard because you're, you're going to, of course, fight for what you need, which is dancers, but you're, you're seeking, you know, perfect triple threats. Like how, how much push-pull was there in that whole process?
1: It was constant. Yeah, yeah it was a constant <laughs> dialogue mm-hmm. and very challenging because, uh, you know, I, I feel like each of those leads in the film... I don't know. It's not like there was like a second one who was there that was like just, you know, it was like the toss up between these two. It it felt really much like this is the person to do this role. And like, what are we going to do if we, if they have a conflict or something like that? It was really, um, it was really challenging to cast the film. And, um, and you know, We talk, like we being like my immediate team, Patricia Delgado and Craig Salstein and myself, we would talk about how unique this casting process was because everyone had to be a quadruple threat, um, not just a triple threat, which means that they had to be uh, exceptional at singing, dancing, acting, and also how they communicate through the camera lens. Mm -hmm. And Stephen would be there... Uh, during the audition process, with his with a cam like a handheld camera to kind of get a sense of um, how everyone projected through through the camera, and sometimes uh, certain prospects would have, you know, they'd be great singers, dancers, actors, but something about how they communicated through the camera just like wasn't quite right, and mm-hmm. that would be enough to like not cast them. So yeah, crazy. it was really really tough Mm -hmm. um and very very specific and um and i'm really proud of the fact that everyone delivers a fully authentic performance on camera in with their not just their acting but their singing and their dancing there's no body doubling there's no um face replacement which is you know something that we can do nowadays with technology and it's done um but i i uh I wanted to have a cast that um, was actually doing all the work that right. we're seeing on camera, and we were able to accomplish that. And so, um, so it's a it's a huge thing, I think, for the dance community to have right. that. For sure.
0: Uh, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about your output for stage in the past year. Uh, I just watched for the first time last night, Become a Mountain, oh, um, really? which is was such a great work. And it was uh, your first time working with Juilliard. Is yeah. That right? Yeah. And it basically, I want to hear about um, the music because it you use the work of Dan Deacon, who um, you worked very successfully with in the past for Times of Racing. Um, but, you know, Become a Mountain is like a four minute long pop electric, Moment, um but then it has sort of like this sparse opening, and then this like really dizzying coda. Yeah. Um, but were those did those exist, or did did Deacon like how, tell me about that conversation?
1: Yeah, I mean that started with the invitation from Alicia Graf Mack, who's the dean of dance at Juilliard, and she's just like this wonderful leader that for me, I'm just like oh, I want to work for this person. So. Um, so COVID wiped out my schedule and she (laughs) reached out to me and she was like, can you come make a new dance in like six months from now or whatever? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I actually can. So let's do it. And, but I want to do, I, you know, there's this song that I'm fixated on by Dan Deacon called Become a Mountain. And I want to work with him to expand it into like a full blown, uh, dance kind of soundscape and she was like, okay, let's do it. And so I started to work with Dan on this and we talked about structure and ideas and um and the fact that like the song proper would be the kind of like Eye of the Hurricane. So it'd be like right in the middle. And he started to think about music arrangement and he built out this whole um introduction that leads up to that song in the most glorious way. And he wrote it for a player piano. And player pianos, um, it's like those ghost pianos you see like in Nordstrom's when you're walking by and they're like playing like lobby music. Um, but you can actually write for those pianos in a way that is nearly impossible to, pl- for like the human hands to play. Mm-hmm. So he wrote this score, uh, for live p- player piano which was kind of incredible. So for the performance, we actually had a player piano in the pit that was like, that had a light on it. So you can kind of see this like ghost piano playing. And then, um, and then it would, we, we, um, we went into the song proper. And then we talked about building it out into this like kind of massive um, cosmic universe. And that was all written for like brass and electronics Mm -hmm. and strings and Um, which he, he, he loves to write in that way. And so, um, and that just became this whole kind of like parade march for the dancers. And it was really interesting to work with them because, uh, they're different from New York city ballet, obviously. I mean, they have, uh, different kind of training and I was just, um, curious by, uh, I guess like what I would bring and what they would bring and the kind of collaboration that would occur, the kind of chemistry that would occur, uh, between these moving parts. And, and I think it influenced the work in a very unique way, which was something I was excited about that it could, uh, show kind of further range in, um, in my own choreographic work. And so, Uh, but it was, uh, I think that they were all a little bit nervous when I first got there because they were like, who's this ballet choreographer showing up to make something I thought I was going to make like Allegro Brilliant or something like, and and then I was like, no, no, it's going to be like, we're going to, this is going to be a sneaker dance. So everyone was in sneakers and it just kind of like dropped the weight a little bit. And, um, and then we embarked upon the process and we kind of like found our way in this in, in, in the moment, I think that's what it felt like. So.
0: Right. And uh, shortly after that, Partita, which we'll be seeing t- on tonight's program here in Vail, um, was your first City Ballet premiere, live premiere since the pandemic. So it's music by Caroline Shaw, who you clearly just love working with. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Caroline and um, how you first kind of got to realize that you guys were such close artistic um, souls?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's really through the Vail Dance Festival that I built a relationship with Caroline. Um, uh, I think it's great that Damien brings her every summer now, or at least consistently for the past few years, to work and write and interact uh, with um, new dance creations. And she's just so good at doing that she's super collaborative and super open and really smart and has an innate ability to write dance music which is a rare thing Mm -hmm. and um yeah i've always just enjoyed the process of working with her and i was i knew of her music before uh before coming to the festival and getting to work with her actually like when she wrote the partita it's this work that really sort of put her on the map as a composer. She, it was the first like major serious work that she wrote. And I think it came out in 2013, if I'm correct. Um, maybe 2014. And it ended up winning the Pulitzer Prize for music and turned a lot of heads. I think people were like, "Oh, who is this new voice in music? And I spent like a decade listening to that piece and finally, after working with Caroline a few times here at the festival, um, I felt ready to attempt a dance to this score, which is incredibly dense and um, precise and musical, and it's for eight a cappella voices. So, and it's, it's what's cool about it is it's not necessarily like opera, like opera singing it's um it's very dynamic and um and feels like it it's uh has has dance motion to Mm -hmm. it um and there's so much more to say about that score but um but i'll just say that like it was such a pleasure to get to interact with and also like i'm never like in my own sort of like process my like process of solitude of of developing my like map for making a dance like it was the most challenging piece i've worked with mm-hmm. i think for
0: that piece because you know caroline's written expressly for a new work for you as well but this is you know a hugely acclaimed older existing work um did you have conversations with caroline directly about it i mean she didn't make any adaptations i imagine but
1: yeah I mean I asked her to go on a walk and we went through Central Park and I just like asked her a ton of questions about the score um just like her process writing it and how where the inspiration came from and you know so there's there's some lyrics in it and then some moments of just the sound of the voice and those lyrics um are mostly inspired by the soluet um instructional drawings that uh were on display at Massmoke. I think they might still be on display there. And um they're this incredible collection of uh instructional drawings. And I actually saw them. I went on a road trip through New England and we stopped there. And I saw them kind of like around the same time that I think Caroline first looked at them as well and it's kind of inspired her to write this piece. But um, but you'll hear in the dance if you see it tonight that it starts with these lyrics that feel almost like you're reading like an instruction manual to like an IKEA piece of furniture. <laughs> um and those are all pulled from like these instructions to actually like recompose these drawings and and to me that felt very like dimensional and how that can be how that can influence like building out a dance. And so we kind of like start in this um yeah, it's it almost look, like visually it looks like we're we're assembling or like building out this dance and then it takes a turn and goes on like this whole other journey. Mm-hmm. So um so yeah, I mean she she was very generous with like sharing about it, which was great and um and then you know the group actually got to perform with us um with New York City Ballet for the premiere, which was very special as well and she's a member of this group Room Full of Teeth. And so she was actually in the pit uh, along with um, with her colleagues and they, uh, they sang it live. And um, so that was a really special thing as well. Right. But I also feel like I'm excited about the recording too. Like there's something about it um, being performed to the recording that feels like almost, I mean, I love both versions, but it feels almost like more vivid in terms of like absorbing the lyrics and the, Sounds, um, yeah, so they're both like great right. versions. So.
0: so, we're seeing Partida tonight. What else, uh, are we going to be seeing of yours throughout the festival?
1: Um, we're doing kind of a remounting of a, another piece I collaborated with Caroline on called Rise Weight Climb Through. Um, that's with mostly a new cast, and uh, Patricia Delgado's been kind of resetting it, which has been great. And then I'm making a new dance. Um, I'm actually performing in it as well. So it's six of us. It's a really dynamic group um, of festival regulars <laughs> that come and dancers I love. And, um, and it's, it's a special piece because it's in collaboration with the, uh, the mu- musician, composer, songwriter named Chris Thiele. And Chris has Chris and I have become friends over the years, and he 's just this like um, he 's an incredible mandolin player and uh, and he writes like the most beautiful poetic songs and lyrics and so um, so i've kind of curated some of his music and he's going to uh, perform these songs that he 's written uh, live with us, and he 's actually going to kind of like move through the dance and through the space. And so we're trying to create this kind of like hybrid of the experience of going to a music concert and the experience of seeing a dance on stage and, and what's like, where's the meeting point between those two things. So, so we don't know what that is yet, but we're exploring that. And that's what Vail's all about. Yeah. The (laughs) the exploratory process. Uh, I believe that premieres
0: now premieres on August 8th and will be also performed the following night. Um, but we, I feel like we've got a lot of people out here who have questions for Justin so I feel like it's a good time to turn it over to the audience so if anyone show of hands right here oh yeah we can come on up to the mic come on up Sarah yeah. <laughs> I love West Side I love West Side
2: Story and I wanted to ask which of the dance sequences um, you most enjoyed doing
0: or that you maybe felt proudest of after it was all done
1: yeah, that's a great question. Um it's hard to pick a favorite. Um I would say favorite the child. um the the most the most conflict amongst the creative team was Officer Krupke. And we tried so many different versions of it and no one was satisfied with it and um and we uh, we just like we pushed and pushed and pushed and finally we created the version that you see in the film. And I love it. I think it's like immaculate and how Steven shot it and, and the transitions. And even though it's not like a big dance proper thing, like just the staging of it, I'm really proud of. Um, and then I think America just because of the scale of mm-hmm. it. I mean, we shot that. It took us like 10 days to shoot that number and and in many, many, many different locations all over, um, from Queens to Bronx to Patterson, New Jersey. And yet it all fits together over the course of that kind of like four minute number. And, um, and so, and that was one that I, I, I never felt like I could fully trust until I saw it. And then I was, and, and not even seeing it. Cause I I would work with Steven um, on the edits because he edits as we shoot. So there's like an editing trailer that comes to location. And so we would go in and look at stuff in between setups. And it didn't hit me until I saw the whole film. And I saw America like in context of everything else that I was like, oh, this is really like the peak of the film. Mm -hmm. And so that was really exciting to see that and kind of, feel that as well so
2: (laughs) i have a comment and and a question so my comment is i hate to admit this but i'm old enough that i saw west side story on stage when it first came out and that was in the 50s i think so i want to tell you that there is no way you can underestimate the impact that had on the audience like we came away feeling like i've never seen anything like that and i would say that most of the audience probably lined up with officer krupke you know more <laughs> in their attitudes towards people of color and things like that it it, it wasn't a negative it was just not there so i, I wouldn't want to underestimate that that was a big part of that first stage performance. And, I mean, we loved it, but we felt, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Yeah. Because of what it was saying culturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my question has nothing to do with that. It's like, uh, well, yes, it does. It
0: sort of
2: does. Um, I want, I would love to know if in your thinking about film, are you also thinking about the role of film in your dance productions is there a role of film for your choreography for the dance stage
1: Yeah I I think that working in film has really influenced how I look at building dance during my everyday process I mean I'll even I've even started to kind of like use some film terminology and language mm-hmm. to just talk about like okay this For this step in this moment think about it being like a close-up shot so that it feels like you're there's subtlety to it and uh, and doesn't have to feel so like performative and out outwardly expressed it's a more internal thing that we sense or even like the way that acting on film it's like there's so much that can be said just through the eyes Mm -hmm. and not necessarily through like overdoing facial expressions and Um, and even ideas of like, you know, racking focus and, um, and, and thinking about depth and dimension and, you know, like that's all feels like it's interrelated. And I feel like, you know, it's film is motion pictures. So it's like moving images. And I feel like there's, it's so similar to dance and that dance is just like movement on stage through space. And, um, and so there's, it's like. We don't even realize it, but there is quite a bit of overlap between those two things. Um and I just want to say one thing about the first comment you said, because it feels to me that like West Side Story is a is a uh there's it's personal to me in like a generational way, um because it's something that my my uh grandfather, James Peck, um who was a writer and a civil rights activist and he was on like the original freedom rides into the South. And, um, he loved theater. He loved particularly plays. He wasn't so keen on musicals. Um, but he saw West side story and he was just kind of also blown away by that. And he shared it with his kids. So my father and my uncle, and they in turn were just like, so influenced by that original production and, inspired to continue sharing theater and plays and dance with their children. Um, and that's honestly how I, I became inspired to, um, embark upon this life in dance and theater and storytelling is because my dad would bring me to, you know, he made it a priority to expose me to theater in New York and, I was just, it was this eye opening thing and I was exposed to this whole world of expression and uh, perspectives and just stories that I had never thought of. And, um, you know, everything, they would take me to see everything from, Cats to like Hedwig and the Angry Inch off Broadway when I was like 11. I was like, what is this? (laughs) And that's like been, you know, that's why I'm here right now. So I feel like it goes back to it's another kind of full circle thing going back to that original uh, West Side Story production and how it's influenced like my family and then eventually me and the work that I get to share with the world.
0: Yeah. You want to come on up to the mic? Yeah. (laughs) I'm very curious about your process. So you've been compared to Balanchine. um, He was known to choreograph without music first. And I was interested on what you're inspired by. Are you inspired by the music? Are you inspired by the movement? Do you get frustrated with yourself? Do you surprise yourself? Uh, We know that at times you've filmed yourself moving. Do you go back and
2: watch that and then go, I didn't even know that I did that. Um I'm just interested in how you come up with what you come up with because it's wonderful.
1: Oh, thank you. It's like it's it's one of the most difficult uh processes to articulate too because it's so I feel like dance is this like it's like this ethereal kind of like ephemeral thing that how does it even like come to be, right? Um but for me, I'm always when I'm making something for the stage, like most of the time it begins with music and unless I'm working with a composer on a new piece where it's like, it's being written kind of like as we're working, I'll usually spend a good amount of time just like living with a piece of music. Like for example, with partita, we talked about earlier, like I listened to that piece for like 10 years before I choreographed it and you know, on and off. So it's like, I would, go through these periods where I would be obsessed with listening and then step away and then just let it kind of like seep into my bones. And, um, and then eventually once I work up the courage to like actually make a piece, then a lot of it is done through like, it's like this combination of mathematics and narrative and like personal anecdote um, where it's like, I'll, I'll, write out a lot of sort of like counts um, and then put in notes horizontally with those counts to kind of um, describe what it is I'm going to be going for. And, and then, you know, a part of the, a big part of the process is being in the studio and by myself and just seeing how I like viscerally respond to the music through my own physicality and and that involves um sometimes filming myself so that i can like document a certain phrase and just remember it but somehow like the process of of doing that uh ingrains the movement into my body so i don't usually look at them again but it's like i have to go through the process of like doing that and and getting a version um that i feel like can exist where like if someone a hundred years from now looked back on that, I would be happy with how that looked. Uh So it's like, you know, it's a lot of, usually I'll, I'll film a phrase several times and then just keep the one. And that process like ingrains the movement into my body. And then I don't look at it again. So, um, so those are a few, (laughs) formations yeah formations that's a good question um i was always really inspired by large group movement and formations by see just coming to see new york city ballet honestly like seeing especially like balancing work where i would just watch it from high up and look down on it and try and like wrap my brain around it and i felt like there weren't a lot of choreographers in the present day when like we were in the school, uh, who were interested in that. And I was like, I don't, know, maybe it was a little bit of like backlash against that. <laughs> it was like, I think there needs to be more group movement and how do I like study this and, uh, and express it in my own choreography. And so I just was interested in it. And so sometimes I, if it's like a huge group, I'll do like some sketches sketching, um, like, almost like little like football plays. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah. And they're usually like really crude. I mean, like, and now I don't do it as much, but I'll sometimes like the morning before rehearsal, I'll just like do a quick sketch just so I have like a starting point and then it'll build from there. So
0: I think we have time for one more question. Yeah.
2: Hi. Um, Hi. So I wait. I'm sorry. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. So I was wondering. Um, so as you see your ballets kind of develop and go out into the world, as a choreographer, once you feel like something's finished or you put it on stage for the first time, um, do you kind of let it go, or do you see it being performed and you know kind of look back on it and go, oh, I wish you know I did this, or oh, like maybe I wish I could tell the dancers this or what's it like to kind of watch your choreography evolve and go out into the ballet world?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I try and resist the urge to like mess with a piece once it's premiered. I mean, sometimes I'll make little tweaks to it, but it's almost like, um, it's like a, a, a record of a moment in time. You know, so it's like, uh, and sometimes it's hard to look back on those works and it's like I feel creatively that there's like a forward motion and the way I think about dance is not how I thought about it 10 years ago. And um, so, but there are works that I'm like, oh, I like that one, like increases... (laughs) This Valley, which was my first piece for New York City Valley, increases. I'm like, oh, that feels like a pure kind of representation of my work in terms of like the the group work and the the individual choreographic uh, phrases and how I responded to the music and stuff like that. But then there's a, you know, it's like you're the rabbit, which is another ballet I made that in my first year making work at New York City Ballet where I'm like I don't really want to look at that anymore but (laughs) some people still like it so I don't want to like steal the joy from Mm -hmm. others
0: (laughs) can I can I tell you a fun fact um you brought up increases so Daisy who just asked that question danced the potata in it when I staged it at IU last year so she knows it pretty well oh
1: no way okay (laughs) how was it Oh, <laughs> Oh, thank you. That's amazing to hear that. And I'm so glad Michael got to go and work with y'all. And I heard only amazing things about, <laughs> I, seriously about that, yeah. that run of increases at IU. So,
0: Well, thank you all so much for coming out. And thank you, Justin. And we hope you all come to see the performance tonight and every following performance here at the Vail Dance Festival. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Michael. <laughs>